they've been married for 30 years. He's a pioneer of Catholic lay evangelization, and she has a master's degree in theology. Put on the coffee and get ready to open the scriptures. It's time for Bible with the Barbers. Now, here's Terry and Mary Danielle. Welcome. Welcome to Bible with the Barbers on this Friday, the 13th day of October, and we will begin with prayer. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. The angel of the Lord declared unto Mary, and she conceived by the Holy Spirit, Hail Mary, full of grace. The Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death, amen. Behold the handmaid of the Lord, be it done to me according to thy word. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. And the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Pray for us, O most holy Mother of God, that we may be made worthy of the promises of Christ. Let us pray. Pour forth, we beseech you, O Lord, thy grace into our hearts, that we to whom the incarnation of Christ thy Son was made known by the message of an angel may by his passion and cross be brought to the glory of his resurrection through the same Christ our Lord. Amen. We ask the angels to join us here. Sanctus, 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 Dominus Deus Sabaoth, Plenis Uncelia Terra, Gloria Tua, Hosanna in Excelsis, Benedictus Quiveni to Nomine Domini, Hosanna in Excelsis. And we ask for the enlightenment of the Holy Spirit. Come, O Holy Spirit, fill the hearts of the faithful, and enkindle in them the fire of thy love. Send forth thy Spirit, and they shall be created and thou shalt renew the face of the earth. O God, who by the light of the Holy Spirit did instruct the hearts of the faithful, grant that in the same Spirit we may be truly wise and ever to rejoice in his consolation. Through Christ our Lord, amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Well, the day of the Lord. When is the day of the Lord? Is every day the day of the Lord? In a sense, I suppose every day is the day of the Lord. Every day is the day when we are supposed to be living in union with God and drawing closer to him in love. But the reading today was from the book of Joel. The first reading for the mass of of today was from the, the book of Joel. Joel is one of the minor prophets. You have the major prophets and then you have the minor prophets. <clears throat> and um, in this book we read... Um, Hear this, you aged men, give ear all inhabitants of the land. Has such a thing happened in your days or in the days of your fathers? Tell your children of it and let your children tell their children and their children another generation. What the cutting locust left, the swarming locust has eaten. What the swarming locust left, the hopping locust has eaten. What the hopping locust left, the destroying locust has eaten. Awake, you drunkards, and weep. And wail, all you drinkers of wine, because of the sweet wine, for it is cut off from your mouth. 
For a nation has come up against my land, powerful and without number. Its teeth are lion's teeth, and it has the fangs of a lioness. It has laid waste my vines and splintered my fig trees. It has stripped it has stripped off their bark and thrown it down. The branches are made white. Lament like a virgin girded with sackcloth for the bridegroom of her youth. The cereal offering and the drink offering are cut off from the house of the Lord. The priests mourn the ministers of the Lord. The fields are laid waste. The ground mourns because the grain is destroyed. The wine fails. The oil languishes. Be confounders, o till- be confounded, O tillers of the soil. Wail, O vine dressers, for the wheat and the barley, because the harvest of the field has perished. The vine withers, the fig tree languishes, pomegranate, palm, and apple. All the trees of the field are, with- are withered, and glad- gladness fails from the sons of men. Gird on sackcloth and lament, O priests. Wail, O ministers of the altar. Go in, pass the night in sackcloth, O ministers of God, because cereal offering and drink offering are withered from the house of God. Sanctify a fast, call an assembly, gather the elders and all the inhabitants of the land to the house of the Lord your God and cry to the Lord, Alas! For the day of the Lord is near, and as destruction from and destruction from the Almighty it comes, and as destruction from the Almighty it comes, the day of the Lord comes as destruction from the Almighty. Is not the food cut off before our eyes, joy and gladness from the house of God? <clears throat> and then I'm skipping to chapter two now. That was chapter one of the book of Joel. Blow a trumpet in Zion, sound the alarm on my holy mountain. Let all the inhabitants of the land tremble. For the day of the Lord is coming. It is near. A day of darkness and gloom. A day of clouds and thick darkness. Like blackness there is, there is spread upon the mountains a great and powerful people. Their like has never been from old, nor will it be again after them. For through the years of all generations, fire devours before them and behind them the flame burns. The land is like a garden of Eden before them, but behind them a desolate wilderness and nothing escapes them. Their presence is like the appearance of horses and like war horses they run. As with the rumbling of chariots, they leap on the top of the mountains like the crackling of flames of fire devouring the stubble, like a powerful army drawn up for battle. Before them, peoples are in anguish. All faces grow pale. Like warriors, they charge. Like soldiers, they scale the wall. They march each on his way. They do not swerve from their path. They do not jostle one another. Each marches in his path. They burst through the weapons and are not halted. They leap upon the city. They run upon the walls. They climb up into the houses. They enter through the windows like a thief. The earth quakes before them. The heavens tremble. The sun and the moon are darkened. The stars withered. They're shining. The Lord utters his voice before his army, for his host is exceedingly great. 
He that executes his word is powerful, for the day of the Lord is great and very terrible. Who can endure it? Who can endure it? I'm going to stop there. So we have the day of the Lord. And the day of the Lord is what? Well, in, um, in the commentary, it mentions that in many places in Scripture, the day of the Lord is referred to in the Hebrew Scripture. And it's usually referring to the Lord, the Lord himself intervening in this world to judge his enemies. Now, does that mean that um, everybody in the church is going to be safe or like that in the Old Testament, everybody in Israel is going to be safe? Well, when we sin, we become God's enemies. So who are his enemies? His enemies are all of us who don't keep the commandments of God. Whenever we don't keep the commandments of God, we make ourselves God's enemies. So his judgment is going to be upon us. And yes, God does judge. And his judgments are true and right. We read that in the book of Daniel. In the, the song of the three children in the furnace, you know, Lord, you are just in all that you have done and all your judgments are true and all your ways are holiness and righteousness. So it's not God that's, that's wrong or um, unfaithful. His people are. And God will raise up. He, he did this in the Old Testament. Whenever his people were unfaithful, he would raise up a people to chastise them. Now, sometimes he chastised them with the locust. The locust would come and eat the crops and then the people, what happens? <laughs> There's no crops. People starve to death. So we need to pray. We need to pray. Is there an antidote? Is there a way to um, appease the Lord? Well, <clears throat> I think, you know, God is merciful, and we know that, and that the Bible teaches us that clearly. And I know many people think, well, the God of the Old Testament is just this vengeful God who's out there looking for a chance to destroy and to to tear down and to, well, you know, there's a lot of that going on, right? In, in Isaiah 13, we read, the oracle concerning Babylon, which Isaiah the son of Amos saw, on the bare hill raise a signal, cry aloud to them, wave the hand for them to enter the gates of the nobles. I myself have commanded my, com my consecrated ones, have summoned my mighty men to execute my anger, my proudly exalted ones, exalting ones, hark atonement on the mountain, as of a great multitude, hark an uproar of kingdoms, of nations gathering together. The Lord of hosts is mustering hosts for the battle. They come from distant lands, from the ends of heaven, the Lord and the weapons of his indignation to destroy the whole earth. Wail for the day of the Lord is near. As destruction from the Almighty, it will come. Therefore, all hands will be feeble and every man's heart will melt, and they will be dismayed. Pangs and agony will seize them. They will be in anguish like a woman in travail. They will look aghast at one another. Their faces will be aflame. Behold, the day of the Lord comes, cruel with wrath and fierce anger, to make the earth a desolation and to destroy its sinners from it. For the stars of the heaven and their constellations will not give their light. The sun will be dark at its rising and the moon will not shed its light. I will punish the world for its evil and the wicked for their iniquity. Well, my goodness, there's that music and we have to take a break. This is kind of frightening. <laughs> Wake up, everybody. The Lord is coming. I'll be right back with more on Bible with the Barbers on Virgin Most Powerful Radio. And there is great hope. Don't go away. 
Now, back to Bible with the Barbers. If you have a question or comment, call 888-526-2151. Here's Terry and Mary Danielle. Welcome. Welcome back to Bible with the Barbers on this Friday, the 13th day of October. And I want to thank you for joining us. Um, yes, Terry's not in studio with me today. We're still... <laughs> having the joyful um, presence of our grandchildren in our lives and really enjoying them. We want to think about the Lord. We want to think about his warnings. And remember, the Lord warns us about sin. The cross warns us about sin. A priest once said, the cross is the greatest manifestation of that there, there is a hell. Because if there weren't a hell, why would Jesus have gone through all of that? Why would he have done that? Take a long, hard look at the cross. But it's also the greatest manifestation of the love of God and of heaven because God is saying, I love you. Jesus is not saying from the cross, I condemn you. You're no good. You're just a sinner. You're horrible. You're awful. You've done all these horrible things. He's saying, come to me. Father, forgive them. They do not know what they do. He cries out words of mercy to the good thief. Today you shall be with me in paradise. To his mother, woman, behold your son. And to his disciple, behold your mother. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? If you want to know what he was saying, read all of Psalm 22. He was saying the whole thing. He was letting people know this was all prophesied. And yes, I'm fulfilling it. And yes, I'm suffering. I am suffering, really suffering. And it is dark. But the, he, he endured the cross heedless of its shame in view of the resurrection in view of the glory that would, be, would come, and in view of our salvation. He came to save us. So we have all these prophecies of the Lord's day and, and the wrath and the darkening of the sun and the darkening of the moon. And of course, if the sun is dark and the moon has no light, right? Because the light of the moon comes from the sun. So, so then what? What are we supposed to do? Well, in, in Joel, we were started with the book of Joel here, and I stopped in... in um, Chapter 2, I stopped at verse 11, who can endure the day of the Lord. And then verse 12 goes on. Yet even now, says the Lord, return to me with all your heart, with fasting and mourning, and rend your hearts and not your garments. With fasting and mourning. Return to the Lord. What does it mean? Give up our sins. Give up our sins. Return to the Lord with fasting and mourning. Rend our hearts and not our garments. Return to the Lord your God, for he is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and repents of evil. Remember the story of Jonah and God sends Jonah to Nineveh and he tells them, tell the Ninevites that 40 days more and they're going to be destroyed. And Jonah goes and tells them and they all fast. The, 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 but they don't just fast. The king of Nineveh says, Every man put on fast, put on sackcloth, sit in the ashes, fast, and even the beasts, the, even the, the animals, even your domestic animals, don't give them food or water for three days. And every man turn aside from the violence he has at hand. Stop sinning. Even the king of Nineveh, a pagan king, knew we have to stop sinning. It's not just enough to fast and put on sackcloth. We have to stop sinning. Okay. So who knows whether or not he will not turn and repent and leave a blessing behind him, a cereal offering and drink offerings for the Lord your God. 
So the Ninevites repented and God didn't destroy them. Now, the same wasn't true for another group, two cities in the plains that God did destroy because God couldn't find 10 just men in them, Sodom and Gomorrah, and the men wouldn't repent. The people wouldn't repent of their sins. At the time of Jonah, no, Noah, excuse me, at the time of Noah, when God destroyed the world with a flood, because the people wouldn't repent. You know, God gives us a chance to repent. We need to turn back to the Lord and give up our sins. Blow a trumpet in Zion, sanctify a fast, call a solemn assembly, gather the people, sanctify the congregation, assemble the elders, gather the children, even the nursing infants. Let the bridegroom leave his room and the bride her chamber. Between the vestibule and the altar, let the priests and the ministers of the Lord weep and say, Spare thy people, O Lord, and make not thy heritage a reproach, a byword among the nations. Why should they say among the peoples, Where is their God? Then the Lord became jealous for his land and had pity on his people. The Lord answered and said to his people, Behold, I am sending you grain, wine, and oil, and I will be and you will be satisfied, and I will no more make you a reproach among the nations. You know, God made us all to be in heaven with him. God desires the salvation of every man, but God's not going to violate our free will. He wants us to freely choose him. He warns us. He sent the prophets to warn his people. But did his people end up going into exile? Yeah, after David and Solomon, the king, after Solomon, you know, you have King David and the kingdom was all united. They're all 12 tribes were under one king for 40 years. And then you had Solomon and the 12 tribes were still under one king. But Solomon didn't stay faithful to the Lord all his life. He set up altars to false gods because he married many foreign women and he let them set up altars, each one to their own God. So he allowed idolatry to creep into the country. So God took the kingdom away from Solomon, the 10 northern tribes, and he gave it to another. He left the two in the south, Judah and, was it Benjamin? Judah and Benjamin? I, I'm sorry, my memory fails me there. I'll have to look that one up. He left them for the sake of David, for the sake of his promise to David. But the northern kingdom was carried off into exile because the kings of the north led their people in idolatry. Why? Well, they were afraid that, you know, when, when the Passover time came, and it was time to go up to Jerusalem to worship in Jerusalem. They were afraid the, the people, if they went to Jerusalem to worship at the temple in Jerusalem, their loyalty would shift back to the king in Judah. So they set up a false temple and a false altar, and they worshiped false gods. And so the northern kingdom went into exile first. And most of the kings in the south were bad also. Most of them led their people into idolatry. But you had Hezekiah, and there was another one, at least one more, that was a good king, at least for a while. And Hezekiah, the first thing he did was restore the proper worship to God. So we need to consider our actions and we need to know, you know, sometimes we don't read the Old Testament. We think, oh, you know, Jesus took care of everything. And all we have to do is say, Jesus is Lord and I am saved and Jesus be my Lord and Savior. And then it doesn't matter what I do with my life. No, he says here, turn away from your sins. Turn away from your sins. You have to give up your sins. 
It is sin that offends God. And if we don't give up our sins, well, <laughs> you know, if we refuse to give up our sins, we're asking God to send us to hell. When we sin, we make ourselves God's enemies. And at the moment of our death, if we spend our whole life sinning and have never made any effort to try and repent of our sins, we probably aren't going to change in the last minute unless somebody is doing really hard penances and gaining great graces for us. And there is that reality. Our lady told the children at Fatima, and yes, this is a Bible study, but I speak of Fatima because it's not against the Bible. Because Our Lady came, why? To tell people to give up their sins. Stop sinning. Stop offending God, who was already too much offended. And she warned of another war that would come. And it came. She has proved true by the prophecy that she, she spoke. But she comes to warn the children that people have to stop sinning. They have to stop offending God. Yes, God will punish us for our sins. But his punishment you know, it's not God is the rat, that God of wrath who's just waiting to beat us up. No, a good parent disciplines their children in order to have them walk around, along the right path. You know, as a young man said to me recently, he said, because when I was little, I was taught you can't do whatever you want to do. You need to do what is necessary. You need to do your duty. He said, now as an adult, I can make hard choices. I don't do just whatever I want. I, 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 I map out a path of what my goals are and I stick to it through discipline because he learned that as a child. So if parents don't discipline their children, if they don't teach them discipline, then the children do whatever they want. And then they're just, but they're not happy. When little children do whatever they want, they're not happy. And as a matter of fact, they become more and more rebellious and they act out more and more. They need discipline. But discipline is not meanness. It's not just being angry and showing your anger and you have to do what I want. No, that's not what it's about. Not I'm the adult, I'm the big guy, so you have to do what I want. Well, what happens when they become the, the adult and the big guy? And then they just impose their will on everybody else? No, we're all here to serve the Lord our God. We were made by God, but God's judgments are real and he won't be mocked and he's calling us to, to come to him, to return to him, to give up our sins so that he can bless us. God can't bless our sin. He cannot bless our sin. Now he wants to bless us. St. John Vianney used to tell his congregation in tears, the Lord desires to bless you and you force him to curse you by your sins because you will not give up your sins. And he would weep. He was weeping when he said those words. St. John Vianney, the curé of ours. You know, a man who was thought to be too ignorant to become a priest, but he had a, a priest who advocated for him he was ordained he wasn't given permission to hear confessions at first because he couldn't master moral theology but he mastered something else he mastered a life of prayer and penance for his people to pray for the people of his parish to return to God and he mastered the love that God had and he became the channel of God's love not only to his people but he eventually was given the faculty to hear confessions. And when he was given the faculty to hear confessions, he would hear confessions for as many as 18 hours a day. Do we pray for our priests that they will have the courage to have this kind of self-sacrificing attitude for their people? He was the curé of ours for almost 35 years. He was 72 when he died. 
He lived into old age. He fasted and he prayed for his people. And so too, we have to fast and pray for each other. At Fatima, Our Lady said, souls go to hell every day because no one will pray and sacrifice for them. So if we pray and sacrifice for people, there is that possibility that they will have the grace to turn back to God. But if our whole life is set against God and we're turning away from God at every moment, don't think that all of a sudden at the moment of our death, we're going to all of a sudden say, oh, oh, wait a minute, I made a mistake. Probably not. Remember, the proud and the arrogant, God has to resist. And that's one of the things you know, that goes on. It's interesting because <laughs> what he says here in Isaiah 13, I myself have commanded my consecrated ones, have summoned my mighty men to execute my anger, my proudly exalting ones. He's talking about the pagan kings who exalt themselves. And yeah, they're proud and arrogant. And you know what? God will have to resist them at some point. But he raises them up to chastise his people, to bring his people back to faithfulness. That uh, The music is coming again. That must be break time. So don't go away. Tell your family and friends to join us here on Bible with the Barbers on Virgin Most Powerful Radio. And please share this with all your friends and family. 877-526-2151 if anybody wants to Now back to Bible with the Barbers. If you have a question or comment, call 888-526-2151. Here's Terry and Mary Danielle. Well, welcome back. And before we get back to the book of Joel and God's promises, God's warning of his judgment on his people, but his promise of mercy, um, tomorrow is that day. They, they had the Bishop Sheen there. Um, Bishop Sheen Day tomorrow here at the chapel from 9 a.m. to 4 p.m. 9 a.m. Mass, the priest who is celebrating Holy Mass, is a convert who came into the church through the instrumentality of Bishop Fulton J. Sheen. So all of those out there who are listening, you don't want to miss that. Please let your family and friends know. I know some people have plans. There are probably funerals, weddings, whatever. But anybody who is free to come, please do come. Even if you haven't signed up yet, you still come. And if you, you can still sign up. Call 877-526-2151. There's plenty of room. And so um, you, you have to come to this day of Bishop Sheen to learn who Bishop Sheen was, to learn what his message was. And uh, Terry will be a speaker. We have um, uh, a gentleman here who has um, s- s- did his uh, doctoral dissertation, I believe, on... Um, Bishop Sheen's uh, he Bishop Sheen wrote a book on Our Lady, the world's first love, and on Bishop Sheen's love for Our Lady. What was his? And then um, Matthew Arnold will be here also um, talking about Bishop Sheen and the Life is Worth Living series of Bishop Sheen. So you don't want to miss that. There's Bishop Sheen's was on fire for evangelizing, for bringing Christ to the world and bringing the world to Christ. So. Um, all of you out there, please share this with everyone and let them know. And again, you know, I, I know um, all of you who support us, I, I do want to thank you and those who listen. So we're talking about the book of Joel and the day of the Lord, this day of judgment. God will judge his people. You know, it, it, time doesn't go on forever. The world that we live in is passing. The world as we know it is passing away, Paul tells us, right? Do we remember that? The world as we know it is passing away. We should remember it. Every day the church calls us to remember that this could be our last day. None of us knows the hour of our death. And by the way, no one knows the end of the world. And I, I get these 
emails and stuff, and people are saying, oh, the end of the world is coming. It's the end of time. We're living in the end times. Maybe so, but Paul said that the world wouldn't end until all the Jews were converted. So unless the Jews are going to miraculously convert all of a sudden over there, over this whole Gaza thing, um, you know, I don't know. Maybe it's going to happen. You know, when all the Jews convert, then, yeah, look for the second coming of the Lord and the end of the world. Um, we all have to live through the turbulent times that we live in. <laughs> and that's we're living in very turbulent times. And many of us saw brighter days. Many of us lived in times when it seemed like, you know, we lived in a Christian society here in the United States of America. We no longer live in a Christian society in the United States of America. Yeah, there are little pockets of Christian Christianity and Christendom within the United States. But as a country and as those governing us, we're not Christian anymore. I don't know, you know, it's neo-paganism, communism, you know, something. But, you know, when we can't speak of God in the public arena, when we can't, um, where is the Lord in all this? What, you know, the TV shows you watch. How many of you are still watching TV or, or watching the stuff on the Internet? And, and how many times is there a reference to God that is holy, that's telling you that God is God and we are not, and that God made everything that is, and he made us for himself, and he made us in his image, and we're supposed to image him, and we're supposed to bring the world to him through our example, um, or is every, every time you hear a reference to God, it's just using God's name in vain, which, by the way, is a sin. Yes, it's a sin for all of those out there who use God's name as an expression of um, surprise, anger, hatred. Um, you know, it's a sin. We don't use God's holy name in vain. God is God and we are not. Remember to keep holy the Lord's name. Do not use the name of the Lord your God in vain. We don't swear oaths by God, and we don't use his name in vain. God's name is holy, for the Lord God is holy. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God of hosts. All of heaven is filled with his glory. So God warns of this day of wrath, this day of wrath that is coming. And then what does he tell? We talked about chapter 2 talking about turning to the Lord in sackcloth and ashes, but repenting in repentance and begging God to spare his people. So then what does the Lord say? The Lord became jealous for his land and, it, and had pity on his people. The Lord answered and said to his people, Behold, I am sending you grain, wine, and oil, and you will be satisfied, and I will no more make you a reproach among the nations. And then he goes on in chapter 2, to promise that he would remove the northerner from you. He would drive the northerner into the parched and desolate land. And then he also says, Fear not, O land, be glad and rejoice, for the Lord has done great things. Fear not, you beasts of the field, for the pastures of the wilderness are green, and the trees bear fruit, and the fig and the vine are give full yield. Be glad, O sons of Zion, and rejoice in the Lord your God, for he has given the earth, the early rain for your vindication. He has poured down for you abundant rain, the early and the later rains as before. So plenteous harvest, plenteous food growing, but rejoicing in the Lord must be your strength, right? We're supposed to rejoice in the Lord, give praise to him, give glory to him, glorify his holy name. And God promises you will eat plenty. But then he goes on and he promises something else. And it will come to pass afterwards that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams, and your young men shall see visions. 
even upon the men servants and the maid servants in those days, I will pour out my spirit. He will pour out his spirit upon us. So more than the blessings of the fruit of the earth, greater than that is what? The blessings of the Lord our God. And did God ever in history pour out his spirit? Well, historically, this particular passage, Peter quotes it on Pentecost. When the Holy Spirit is poured out upon the apostles, and remember the apostles are all speaking in tongues and the people in the crowds are like, wait a minute, we're from all over the world, you know, from Rome and Italy and wherever. They were from all over. They spoke many different languages. But each of us is hearing these men in their own native tongue. How is this possible? Oh, someone said, <laughs> they've been drinking too much wine. Well, wait a minute. No. And Peter said, no, it's only nine in the morning. We're not drinking wine. This is what was prophesied in the prophet Joel. I will pour out my spirit upon you. More than the blessings of the goods of this earth, we should be looking for the blessing of God's spirit. We should be begging God to pour out his spirit upon us. Remember when Jesus said in the gospel, what father among you, if your son asked for a, a, a loaf of bread, would give him a stone? Or if he asked for a fish, would give him a serpent? Or a scorpion? If you who are evil know how to give your children good gifts, how much more, how much more will your heavenly father pour out his spirit upon those who ask? Do we beg God to pour out his spirit? Do we beg God to renew the church from within, beginning with ourselves? Remember, the church is the mystical body of Christ. The church is not an institution. She is God's holy and Jesus Christ's holy and beautiful bride. And Jesus Christ is God. She is his body, the mystical body of Christ. I remember reading, and I don't remember the name of the book. It was written by a Jesuit. And it was on the church and the sacraments, and, it, and I was reading it for a class on church and sacraments at the University of San Francisco that was also taught by a believing Jesuit, and this book was written by a believing Jesuit, and it said, if you accept the notion of the church as the mystical body of Christ, then you must accept the visible structure of the church as divinely willed. She is a divine edifice. She is the people of God. She is the household of God. The church is his bride. Jesus Christ came and he procured for himself a bride, a people peculiarly his own, but he wants that to be everyone in the world. And each of us, you know, all of us are members of his body and, and each of us individually thereof. We're, we form the body of Christ. All of us form the body of Christ, Paul says. And each of us individually are members of that body. If, if we are baptized we have been brought into the Lord. We're part of his body, the church. The church isn't an institution. It's the body of Christ, his living body. It's his holy bride. She is his holy bride. And as the bride of Christ, she is our mother. And by the way, at Vatican II, when Vatican II talked about our blessed mother, it talked about her in relation to the church. It didn't do a separate document on her because the point was Mary isn't separate from the church. Mary is the archetype of the church. What is said of the church, Vatican II taught us, can only be said of the church because it is, is first said and true of Mary. She is virgin. She is mother. 
She is bride of Christ. The new Eve, the mother of all the living, the mother of all those who are living in Jesus Christ. So yes, we call on the Lord Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. We ask him to come into our lives, but we follow his commandments. We give up our sins and we beg for the coming of the Holy Spirit. We beg that God will pour out his spirit upon us so that we can live in union with God so that everything we do has meaning. Every moment of our life is either infinitely valuable or worth nothing. Infinitely valuable if we unite it to Jesus Christ. At Fatima, the the angel told the children to make of everything you do a sacrifice, saying, Jesus, it is for love of you, for the conversion of sinners, and reparation for the sins committed against the Immaculate Heart of Mary. Translate that, the sins committed against the Immaculate Heart of Mary are against God because God made her heart immaculate. So when we denigrate his mother, we're insulting him. I remember once hearing Jerry Mattertix debate a Protestant minister, and I wasn't at the debate. I was listening on the radio at home, and and this Protestant minister said, Mary was nothing special. She was just an old, dirty rag that God used and threw aside. And I I caught my breath because I thought, Please, God, don't strike him dead. Did you hear what he just said about God? He just said that God just uses people and throws them aside. Is that God? (laughs) That's not the God who died on the cross for us. God doesn't use us and throw us aside. God came to share his life with us. I must be having a really good time because that music just comes up too fast. Don't go away. We'll be back with the final portion of this program on the book of Joel and on God's mercy and his judgment and how he much he loves us. Invite all your friends and family to join us. Now, back to Bible with the Barbers. If you have a question or comment, call 888-526-2151. Here's Terry and Mary Danielle. Welcome back. This is Mary Danielle. Terry's not in studio with me today, but again, he joins me in spirit. He's babysitting our grandchildren. Please pray for him. (laughs) It's always a challenge when us older folks are taking care of the little ones. They are such a joy, but they have so much life. It's awesome. It's such a joy. And um, tomorrow, again, is the Bishop Sheen Conference here at the chapel. And today is October the 13th, 2023. So tomorrow is October 14th. So if you haven't signed up yet, please sign up. 877-526-2151. You can call and sign up or make a donation. Um, I want to thank all the radio stations that pick us up. Um, I know those of you who aren't local in Southern California probably can't get to the Bishop Sheen Conference, but um, it would be great for anyone who's local and even those who are not local. If you, for some reason, if you're close enough to drive and you can come, you've got a free day and uh, you'd like to spend it doing something really exciting and something that will really build you up in the Lord. Come on down to Sacred Heart Chapel here in in downtown Covina and um, enjoy a day on Bishop Sheen. 9 a.m. Mass, it'll go till 4 p.m. the the day, not the Mass. (laughs) Although I went to a Mass on Monday and we were told the Mass, we thought the Mass was at 10.30 and and we've been invited to this Mass and Mass didn't actually start till about 20 after 11 and uh, by the time Mass was over, I think it was 12.45, but um, from 10.30 until then, we prayed and together as a group, and it was beautiful. I had a rosary procession, prayers. It was actually a, a gathering in honor of El Santo Nino of Acho, Achoca, I think is how you say it. It's a, 
in in Mexico they have a shrine and it actually comes from Spain, but you can look it up, El Santo Nino. If you just look up El Santo Nino, you'll find it. The little pilgrim image of uh, the Holy Child, Pilgrim Child. Um, beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. Um, just briefly in the in the 700s when the when the Muslims had um, taken over the area that is now Spain and they were persecuting this, then they were putting the Catholics in prison. They were putting the Catholic men in prison. They said only the only the immediate family could bring food to the men. So men who didn't have immediate family, a wife and you know, brothers and sisters or whatever, um, then those men were going without. And then they said, okay, only children who are 12 years and younger can bring the food to the prison. So those who didn't have children. And so the, the women of, of, of Atocas, it was a village in Spain, went to pray to the Virgin of Atocas, who is the Blessed Virgin Mary. And she had an image of Jesus in her lap. And um, she's, she prayed that the women prayed, please, Blessed Mother, intercede. These men are going to die. You know, they're going to die. We can't take food to them. And so um, the children started noticing as they were coming to the prison in the morning, there was a little, there was a child about 12 years old who had a, a basket and a, a, um, a, he had a, a basket and a water can and he was wearing sandals like a pilgrim and um, he was leaving the prison. The guards never seemed to notice him, and, but he was bringing food and water to all the men who didn't have anyone to bring them food and water and he was also bringing them spiritual comfort. And the children immediately recognized it was Jesus. So the women immediately, when the children told them the story, ran to the church and thanked our Blessed Mother so much. And, but they noticed something. The statue of Our Lady, the infant child, the, the, the child Jesus sitting in her lap, all of a sudden his shoes are all dirty and worn out. So they replaced his shoes. But the shoes kept wearing out. So every time they replaced his shoes, it's beautiful. It's just God's mercy to his people. Again, you know, God doesn't want to condemn us to hell. He wants to save us. And so many times throughout life, beautiful, beautiful. Read, look it up. Look it up online. The Holy Infant. Uh, anyway, my point was that even if the Mass did go from 9 in the morning to 4 in the afternoon, um, you know, if we, if we could really learn how to pray, it would seem as nothing. So we ask God for the, his Holy Spirit, the outpouring of his Holy Spirit, that we would learn how to pray. And, and if you haven't signed up for the conference for tomorrow, please sign up for the conference. Please let your family and friends know. Please share this with everyone you know um, so that they can come, especially the local people here in Southern California will be the easiest people to come. So God is promising that when his people repent and turn to him and beg for mercy, he will pour out his mercy upon them. And remember, when Adam and Eve sinned, God didn't say, okay, you're done with, that's it, grace no more. You will live a natural life, die a natural death, and end of story. He said, no, I will put enmity between thee and the woman, between her seed and your seed. He was talking to the serpent. It will strike at your head while you strike at its heel. So he promised a Messiah. He promised his people that he would send a Savior, and that's what the Old Testament is all about, that constant promise of God, that constant God preparing his people for the time when the Messiah would come. He was going to send the Lord. And it's interesting because when the Lord comes, what happens? Do they recognize him? Do they embrace him? Well, in today's gospel, from the gospel of Luke, Jesus has driven out a demon. It's Luke chapter 11, chapter 11 in Luke. Jesus drives out a demon. And what do the people say? Oh, by Beelzebul. He drives, well, he was Beelzebul, by the devil. And Jesus said, well, every kingdom divided against itself will fall. <laughs> you know, any house divided against itself isn't going to stand. So if, if I'm driving out the demons by Beelzebul, who are you people driving out the demons by? So the people are attributing God. Jesus has done good. He's done a good work. He's driven out a demon. And they're saying he does it by the, the power of the devil. Whoa. You know, can we really be that proud and that arrogant? Yeah, that's what sin can do to us. 
We can be so proud and so arrogant that we do not recognize God's grace and mercy. We need to stop feeling sorry for ourselves. We need to stop looking at ourselves in our own misery. We're all lot. We can get locked up in our own misery and our own feelings. We need to stop worrying about the way we feel. Marie Bellet wrote a song about that. You know, I spend all day just worrying about the way I feel. You know, ay 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 ay. It's all about me. <laughs> no, it's not. It's all about Christ. And it's all about bringing people to Christ. And it's all about God's promise. And in, with the prophets, He was promising, "I'm going to send my Messiah." Will you be ready? Will you be able to accept him? And many of the Jewish people of Jesus' time did not accept him. The leaders, many of the leaders didn't accept him. Now, there were those who did. There were many. Remember, on Pentecost, 3,000, was it 3,000 were baptized on Pentecost? And those were Jews from all over. They'd come in from all over the world for the peace of the Passover. And they were baptized and they received it. And Jesus warns us in today's gospel, you know, when an unclean spirit goes out of someone, it roams through the region searching for rest and finding them. it says, I shall return to the home from which I came. But upon returning, it finds it swept clean and put in order. Then it goes out and brings back seven spirits more wicked than itself who move in and dwell there. And the last condition of the man is worse than the first. What is he talking about? Well, if, if the demon is driven out of you and then you don't invite God in to fill you, the demon will come back looking for a place. And if you haven't turned to the Lord and begged the Lord to fill you with his spirit and with his grace, and if you haven't given up all your sins, everything's swept in an order now, but now <laughs> we'll come back only with more. It will be worse. So we have to turn to the Lord and beg him to fill us with his spirit. Pour out your spirit upon us. As in the book of Joel, he promises he will pour out his spirit. And Peter said at Pentecost, that's what this was, was going on. This is a, the prophecy is fulfilled. God is pouring out his spirit upon us because the Messiah has come. Jesus is in our midst. He stays with us, by the way, in the blessed sacrament. Have great reverence for the real presence of Christ in the Eucharist. You know, if you're doing something in a church building and Jesus is present in the blessed sacrament, please refrain from talking out loud. Whisper. If you need to talk, whisper or write a note to the person next to you. But it's a place of prayer. The, the church where God dwells on earth. Jesus is really present, body, blood, soul, and divinity in the Holy Eucharist. Not because I said so and not because the Catholic Church said so, because Jesus Christ said so. Jesus said, this is my body, which is given up for you. He is God. When God speaks the word, it happens. The bread and the wine yield their substance to Jesus Christ. Jesus is the son of God made man. And now he takes bread and wine and changes them into his own body, blood, soul, and divinity. And yes, he gave that power to the priests, not because the priest himself has that power, because he, Jesus, through the power of the Holy Spirit, acts in and through the priest, so that at every mass, notice the priest says the exact same words that Jesus said. This is my body, because it's Jesus speaking through the priest. And again, the bread and the wine yield their substance to Jesus. And they are no longer bread and wine. They are Jesus, body, blood, soul, and divinity in his risen, ascended, glorified state, present under the appearance of bread and wine. This is what the church believed. This is what the church believed. The first major Eucharistic heresy was under Berengarius in the 10 hundreds. 
And Barry and Gary has tried to say that Jesus wasn't really present in the Eucharist. And St. Francis of Assisi, in response to that, said, fine, to his brothers, we will kneel in the presence of Jesus in the Blessed Sacrament to show everybody that he is really present. It's really God. Emmanuel, God with us. Because it's a risen, ascended, glorified state. We're not killing Christ again at the Mass. The Mass is the unbloody representation of Calvary. It's not, it's, it's not that Jesus is dying again. It's that the victim who immolated himself, although no longer dying, lives for all eternity, that act of immolated love. In heaven, he still bears his scars. He offers himself to the Father, the Lamb. Read chapter 5 of the book of Revelation. The Lamb offers himself continually before the Father before, for sinners, on behalf of sinners, to plead for sinners. Father in heaven, look upon the heart of your dearly beloved Son and on the praise and satisfaction he offers you on behalf of sinful mankind. Look upon the precious blood that he has shed and do not let the price that he has paid be lost on us. Look upon his holy face and the tears that he shed. Have pity on his tears. Bring us back to you, Lord. Bring us back. Do not let us be condemned. Do not let us turn away from you, Lord, but bring us back. Bring us back. Make us, make us to do penance. Take away our freedom to offend you. <laughs> Help us to do your will. Jesus is here among us. He hasn't left us. And he promised, I will be with you always until the end of the world. And he established his church, one church, the Catholic Church, to carry on the sacrifice, the one eternal sacrifice. There's only one perfect act of praise, worship, adoration, thanksgiving, petition to God the Father. That's the act that Jesus himself made on Calvary. And that act is presented to us in the Mass in an unbloody manner. When the priest consecrates the bread separately from the wine. That's a sacramental representation of Calvary. We're not killing Christ again. Jesus is present in his risen, ascended, glorified state. He can't die again. And then at just before Holy Communion, when the priest breaks a piece of the host and drops it in the chalice, that's the sacramental representation of the resurrection of our Lord. <gasps> it's too much to take in. How could you be bored at Mass if you knew what was going on? <laughs> Read the scriptures. Read what the church teaches. Read Sacrosanctum Concilium, the Second Vatican Council document on the sacred liturgy. I hear the music again. I want to thank you all for your support, for your prayers, your sacrifices, for those who offer their sufferings for us. And I mean that from the bottom of my heart. We couldn't do this work without it. I want to um, thank all of those of you who listen and share, it, share the app with your friends and family and everyone you know. Um, please make a donation if you can, 877-526-2151. And sign up for the Bishop Sheen Conference or just show up tomorrow morning and come on in. Enjoy the day. Thank you for joining us on Bible with the Barbers. Please, God, we'll be back again next week on um, seven days from now. will be the 20th of October. So keep us in prayer. Remember us in your prayers. And if you can donate, please remember to give us a donation. Thank you again. May God bless you and wish you a good